0: Hello, and welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast. My name is Sunny. I am your co-host. I use the she pronouns. I am a Gemini Stallion, Gemini Rising, Cancer Sun, Capricorn Moon, and Gemini Mercury, which is why I'm so smart and intelligent and correct all of the time. So, yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Hello. My name is Renaissance Marie. Hold on. I have a burp. Nope. And... <laughs> I also use they, she, pronouns. I'm currently wearing one of Sunny's iconic sweaters. Indeed. Again, oh, and we're wearing
0: our, our, matching our matching tarot necklaces. card necklaces, yes. minus the Empress. Yeah. Oh, and our tattoos that have, like, almost healed. Oh, Mine are, you won't be able to yeah. see it, yeah.
1: If you're on Patreon, though, you'll be able to see me in the sweater. Exactly. So subscribe
0: As, to our Patreon, again, everybody.
1: everyone subscribe. <laughs> we should do more, like, on-camera things so that there's mm-hmm. an incentive to see it. Exactly. Also, all of you should... Watch and like our video on our YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. The Lavender Menace.
0: Yes. It's It's just just The Lavender lavender Menace menace on YouTube. YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube because we post, like, we put last, since we're in the same city, we're in St. Louis right now, Mm -hmm. our last podcast episode we recorded together in Sunny's room, in my room, and Mm -hmm. I posted and edited. Supercut. Yes, the Supercut by All the best fit. Of our last episode Mm -hmm. on YouTube. So check that out. Um, anyway, that's the promo for the podcast podcast. Yeah. Well, today, as usual, we will be going through our three-part podcast in which we commentate on medias and hot takes through our lens as communists, Swifties, and... Lesbians yes, of color. exactly. And so the first uh, part of our podcast is always discussing a hot take, usually submitted by a listener, and then the second part is discussing a piece of media that we have consumed together and the last part is recommending media to each other except this episode is going to be a little different because we have two hot takes from listeners and they're not even really hot takes uh we will you'll get it once we get that um and then for the second part of our podcast and discussing media, instead of like a movie or a book or anything, we went to a museum together. We went to the Pulitzer Arts Foundation in St. Louis mm-hmm. and there was an art exhibition there of this one um, artist, a feminist from like the, you know, mid 20th century to late 20th century. Uh, her name is, what was her Hannah name? Wilk. Hannah Wilk. And so that's what we'll be discussing today. And then finally as usual, our recommendations to each other. So, let's just get into it in terms of the hot takes. So E <laughs> Someone emailed us a couple days ago. Someone named Ava, and they said uh, the 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 headline for it, the subject line of the email is "Evelyn Hugo x Taylor Swift." <laughs> our favorite topics our favorite. on here for this open. season, exactly. Non-binary lesbian swifty here. Hi, hi. Hello. I, I don't know why I'm moving. I don't really have a hot take for the podcast. Just started listening. I'm obsessed. Thank you. Thanks. But I just read Dilly. all of the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo yesterday and my brain is allowing me to think of nothing else. Exactly! Exactly. <laughs> I've also been listening to Lover all day in honor of its anniversary. So true. I guess my hot take is that it's an absolutely perfect album, if you take off two to three songs. <laughs> it's I, true. We agree. No, it's true. And I will not rest until someone makes an Evelyn Hugo movie adaptation, Mamma Mia style, where the <gasps> entire soundtrack is this album. Which,
1: by the way, spoke to my heart, because I am a <laughs> Mamma Mia stan. Have been since 2008. I live and breathe this movie. Um. And honestly, like, I kind of want I kind of want it like as a little side piece like a serious adaptation but then also <laughs> <laughs> a, a little, a a little Mamma Mia a, musical number. a little Mamma Mia as a yeah. treat except it's just Taylor
0: Swift yeah. songs so that'd actually be brilliant that'd be brilliant Taylor Swift get on that get on get that on the Taylor Taylor collab it of Taylor's it needs Taylor to treat. happen we need so a Broadway adapted musical with Taylor Swift songs in accordance to the course of Evelyn's like how life.
1: Sarah Bareilles wrote Waitress, Waitress? musical which yeah. was a
0: movie yeah. I need the Evelyn- Taylor yeah. Swift adapt some of your hit songs and then make original songs for this it'd be yeah. perfect you would kill it anyway definitely death by a thousand cuts specifically hurts me says yes Eva. exactly and that's something that we've discussed with yes and Anyways, I just want to say that the Lavender Menace is the first podcast I've ever listened to. Oh, so and I sweet. love you guys. Wow, thank you so much. Love how did too. you find us if you weren't the podcast?
1: <laughs> I wish they included that in right. the email. If people
0: could tell us where they found us.
1: Especially if you're not a huge podcast listener, yeah. I wonder if they are a subscriber to you or
0: found us on TikTok or something? Maybe. That like especially like cuz we are so niche. You yeah. I want to know it's how you guys so are finding niche. us. exactly. Anyway, I so just want to say that the Lavender Oh, wait, wait, wait uh I've been taking note of all the recommendations you give, and thank you for simply being awesome lesbians with good taste. Seems those are hard to come by on the internet sometimes. That's so sweet. That's so true. Like, <laughs> like let's let's talk it, about It's it. true. We are the best lesbians. <laughs> I the think facts. we should get it's more credit fact. for that. Exactly. And so that's yeah, so sweet. I think the hot take of Lover being the best or being a, f- a fantastic album, like a. a an incredible pop album is so correct and I it's so underrated. Like Lover is just, underrated AF. Why
1: were those the singles that she chose?
0: <laughs> because I definitely think that You need to the come album down itself. You need to come down as fun. Me yeah, it it's is. a little bit of a tragedy. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it that's the peak of her annoying bisexual era. The mm-hmm. the collab You have to have a Brand Brandon Urie, collab to Like get <laughs> the the
1: bisexual pop star stamp. Please No like God. because every other song like if death by a thousand cuts was a single
0: mm-hmm. if cruel oh summer gosh. was a cruel single summer. paper rings if paper rings was london summer. boy oh so good it's so and the good. opening track of i think he knows and then leading into cruel summer and then lover i'm pretty sure is it or is it the archer i forgot let me go look
1: miss americana and the heartbreak guys. i don't i think that's I know later that's... on the album
0: well no um, but
1: is that is that Reputation or something? That no, that's no, that is slumber. slumber. I'm just saying, what a good song. Yeah, no, Only no, no, for it goes, people to listen to me
0: and be like, right. oh, I'm not gonna listen to it. The goes album. from I forgot you existed to oh, so cruel cool summer. To love her, to, to the, the man, man the, to archer, the archer. Do I think, I he, think knows. he knows? Like that's that's boom, an incredible boom, lineup. Boom and, amazing. boom, and then after I think he knows, it's Miss Americana, The Heartbreak Prince, Paper, Paper Rings, Rings, Cornelia, Cornelia Street, Street, Death by a Thousand London, London Boy. Boy, and then soon you'll get better. That song makes me cry. And then False God, her. Oh my gosh, yeah, song. it's like I love cute London boys. My mom has cancer.
1: False God, we're fucking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you Girl. need to calm down. You are gay, and you need to yeah. shut up. Mm-hmm. Afterglow, it's like, sorry, we yelled, and now You need it's to
1: fine. calm down. It's literally like, the more you get mad at me, I'm just going to become gayer. Gayer yeah. as a form
0: of protest. Exactly. And then after Afterglow, which is a beautiful song, is mm-hmm. me. Me <laughs> and then it's nice to have a friend, which is a Gorge. sweet song, and then Daylight, which is also beautiful. So like every song on this album in the lineup, oh my god, incredible, amazing, obsessed.
1: And I think it's so funny that I think the song that or the album that has the most songs dedicated to most likely Joe uh-huh. is also our most bisexual album. <laughs> but like I think Reputation, yeah. Joe has a couple of cameos, uh-huh. but it's Carly Kloss. Yeah. I'm under your back. <laughs> like, I'm looking for yeah. And it's like, definitely, like, a more, like, sword lesbian type of yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Folklore and Evermore is obviously Cottage cottagecore core, lesbian. Yeah, and Lover so, is the
0: annoying bisexual era. Yeah.
1: It is the it's annoying It's the bisexual, bisexual woman with boyfriend annoying Yeah,
0: that we yeah. talk about on this exactly. podcast. Exactly. But see, she really loves him with London Boy mm-hmm. and with you know, false cause. I think London, with, like I as a lesbian, I think
1: London boy is such a fun song. It's like so I want a London boy.
0: Exactly. You know, so, I yeah. love a London boy. And a little yeah.
1: accent. <laughs> <laughs> that she does like when she says yeah. it. I'm like, oh, yeah. you're so cute. Taylor exactly. Shaw. She's, she's so. our
0: cutesy millennial mom queen. I love her so much. Wifey her AF. cat mom era. Exactly. Her TikTok debut. Yeah incredible amazing oh and i saw someone do a stitch that was like mimicking her like not knowing what how to do green screen yet so it's like her recording a screen Mm -hmm. of herself talking about cats like on a tv screen through her phone (laughs) (laughs) it's (laughs) so funny
1: i love moments where you can see that she's a human like she's a real person, yeah. and I can just see her trying to figure out, like, <laughs> fighting for her life against this do, app. Trying
0: to do transitions. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's like, it's the TV glitch
1: <laughs> one, and she's like, I can't place it where Because, <laughs> you Please. know, she's not made a piece of her own PR, basically her integrity. Entire- yeah. Like, since she was 16, yeah. maybe, in which the Like, but she like still. I mean, the way that she's always and the way she edited her Instagram photos when she used to do her own (laughs) Instagram. Her little millennial filters. Yes, God, I love that. Incredible, I love that. She is
0: so incredible to me. Anyways, but yeah, let's get let's get in. Was there another email? Yeah, and this one is a recommendation from Allie. Okay, cool. Um, so Allie says, "Hey, besties, I finished listening to the book." Patsy by Nicole Dennis Ben. And I really think y'all should listen to read, listen or read it for an episode of The Pod. It's very sapphic, very critical of imperialism and capitalism in America, and very Our Love Lasts So Long vibes. I think you'd both love it. I, Thanks, Ali. I've I'll seen see you. this book in bookstores a lot, and I've heard a lot of my friends talk about it. And I, I know the, I know the is concept it of it. Is it about
1: Patsy Cline? No.
0: Okay. No. It's about I think a Jamaican woman or like a, oh. a Caribbean woman <laughs> and her immigration from the Caribbean to the U.S. and then her experiences oh. with I think probably like a long time like love. Um, and it's like South, like obviously, so oh, okay. Yeah, and I, I think it is like a diaspora immigrant story. Um. And so I've heard really good things about this and but it seems like so sad because every time I go to the bookstore and I think about picking it up or buying it I'm like will this destroy me will this crush me like I can't buying it when she thinks about buying it (laughs) Then i was like okay sure because sunny buys Buys from the bookstore Mm -hmm. i love to support my local independent bookstore subterranean books yeah which i got these ones from but you know so yeah thank you for the recommendation we will if we can find an audiobook version for it Mm -hmm. through our libraries we will check it out and maybe do an episode on it next season so, yeah, I would
1: love to do an all-listener-themed episode, episode. yeah.
0: Where, like, you guys give us the hot takes, the mm-hmm. thing that we
1: do, and mm-hmm. then, like, maybe you guys can, rec- like, pitch us recommendations yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Some, something to give back to the people. Exactly. You know? Yes. That'd be lovely. So. But yeah. this
0: is episode 9 of season 2, so our next episode is going to be season... Finale. Or episode... 10, so season finale, and I think for the season finale, we will Here. do something special. Maybe okay. In, in we did have
1: an idea, but now I'm yeah, in honor of
0: the "Our Love Lasts So Long" element, I think we should talk about like our childhood favorites and yeah, also favorite yeah, yeah, like a nostalgia about. episode. You know, mm-hmm. like talking about the things that really shaped us as maybe things consumers. that are our love lasts so exactly. long, like things that we liked as kids or like in the beginning of mm-hmm. our. Feralness mm-hmm. that still That still relates to every type of media that we consume today. Yeah. So Yeah, um well that's the very short hot take section because mm-hmm. You know, we obviously agree. Lover is amazing, and thank you for the recommendation, and also, you know... We
1: love saying hi to you
0: guys, our listeners. We love to see you guys interact with us on social media, and also email us. Like, we love that, and Mm -hmm. it's amazing, and it makes good content. And I love
1: seeing you guys starting to follow us, because I used to block every person that I didn't know, but now
0: I'm (laughs) like,
1: wait, Wait I am putting my social media out to, like, hundreds of listeners a week, so maybe... I should not block potential yeah, listeners, yeah. so I hope that's y'all.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know y'all. what
1: you guys look like, so right. I'm just I'm just letting y'all. We're
0: just hoping and praying yeah. that I'm hoping y'all, and praying that you are it's... normal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm letting you win. Okay, yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's it. Um, do you want to talk? Do we want to talk about the media section now? This is at the Pulitzer Art
1: Foundation, mm-hmm. um, Little Museum yeah. in St. Louis, and it was in a single artist yeah. exhibit, and just like. Ramming. the
0: exhibition guide is available online oh yeah, yeah yeah. okay great 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 so yeah the exhibition guide is here so we can look at it Yay. um we can go through each of the pieces so basically like the introduction for this as this artist and also mm-hmm. the concept behind the curation is like her as a feminist and just feminism in general and so which she, i thought she had very interesting yeah takes very interesting on, uh-huh. especially
1: because Contextually, this is second wave fem- feminism, mm-hmm. like in the beating heart. Yeah, because it's the sixties and seventies. Yeah, right? and like very much Gloria,
0: Gloria Steinem,
1: yeah. whatever. Yeah, and very much that in which the uh, second wave feminism to turf pipeline is so very real. easy, so real. very real. Yeah, a lot of lack of intersectionality, and mm-hmm. also just a lot of like not super radical takes on feminism. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Hannah Wilk is very aware of what her, mm-hmm. the- like, what she's commentating on mm-hmm. and doesn't pretend to speak on things that she's not speaking right. on. Yeah. Which I think helps
0: her. To not fall into very slippery yeah. slopes that 2nd wave feminism could yeah. lead you to. Because the introduction here says um, that for, for Wilk, an important part of this work was advocating for a frank attitude towards all parts of the body. References mm-hmm. to the vagina in her work are a vital part of her legacy of innovation as an artist and feminist knowing the power of language she questioned her culture's aversion to the word vagina shying away from this term she noted shuts down important conversations including those about healthcare and reproductive rights as a challenge to this attitude wilk aimed to in her words create a positive image to wipe out the prejudices aggression and fear associated with the term wilk strongly linked the vagina with her own experience of being a woman as many feminists of the 1960s and 70s do in the intervening decades queer and transgender voices have continued to fight for greater recognition for a broad spectrum of gender expressions and this in other ways feminism continues to evolve in many directions in a in an ongoing struggle for equality so basically we see in, in the entrance gallery we see some of her earlier work like of her drawings and stuff and it's a lot of like abstract sort of organic shapes and like round sort of features Soft. and stuff yeah not um, like super jagged yeah not points. very geometric not, at yeah. all yeah and then, we, as you continue on through the exhibition, we see her sculptures and these terracotta pieces that mm-hmm. are literal sculptures of vaginas, or renderings of what a vagina could look like, basically. And so, the... It's folded circles, like a circle
1: yeah. of terracotta clay that has been cut mm-hmm. and flattened, and then with either single folds, or just very more simple... They get, like, they start off simplistic as she's, like, mm-hmm. learning in building her mm-hmm. technique, and then they become more technical, mm-hmm. and then you know it's kind of like once you break the once you know the rules and you're allowed to break them, mm-hmm. and then she goes
0: back into these this single folds, sort of, yeah. And and also like a lot of her earlier pieces are there's a lot of usage of like primary colors mm-hmm. and like bright colors in that way, which plays a role throughout the entirety of her right. career over the decades. Yeah, in these ceramics, in the terracotta, in the like sculpture of like of vaginas technically, here mm-hmm. the description for it says that, you know, these vessel-like forms have openings and protrusions that suggest bodily orifices and genitalia without being overt. Wilk uses the word androgynous in the title to describe their sexual a- ambiguity. For her, this term evokes a fluidity between sex organs. Made of unglazed terracotta, the sculpture appears earthy and natural, complementing Wilk's unashamed approach to approach the body. When she began sculpting in clay, it had minor importance in the art world because of its association with crafts and functional ceramics. Um, Wilkes saw the chance to reclaim and elevate it as a sculptural material. So, like, the unglazed terracotta has the those two elements of, like, obviously it's a portrayal of not just like vagina, but also just just like body and the in like this vague way. But it's also use using materials that are seen as craft, not as art. You know, um, and which I
1: think is also inherently feminist
0: in the way that like mm-hmm. uh, crocheting and knitting uh-huh. and
1: rug making uh-huh. and pottery, needlepoint like, yeah. are not seen as art. Embroidery, lace making, yeah, despite the, the
0: technical skill and talent mm-hmm. and. Um, the artistry of and it. the
1: hours dedicated yeah. to it they're seen as like arts and crafts mm-hmm. because it's
0: dominated by, by women. women and so she like Wilk using these materials to like talk about gender and the body and sex in these ways it's like it kind, she she's intelligent. she does this double entendre thing that she does in a lot of her pieces she where loves a
1: good double entendre. exactly there's like what you will see exactly come there's like
0: <laughs> multiple meanings to the work and the detail. For which she... And of the material and stuff that she And uses. the admission
1: of androgyny between... Mm-hmm. In this case, sexes. Mm-hmm. But really, like, gender. Mm-hmm. And just what we see as iconography of the mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. And you would, like... It really challenges what would be, like, the more turfy line of logic. Yeah. Of, like, vaginas equal womanhood. Uh-huh. In which, from the get-go, she is not falling yeah. into that.
0: Yeah, like, none of her artist statements or her work or anything... It's all, it's all about how, like... Here, it's, okay, so for the main gallery, it says, mm-hmm. the main gallery highlights Wilkes' evolving experiments with clay, the subject matter of her work later in the 1960s and 70s, which, while still expressed abstractly, became more clearly vaginal. In a culture that viewed women as lesser and genitals as shameful, Wilkes sought to celebrate both through her art. So, like, she's... she's not necessarily just talking about like womanhood and she's not necessarily just talking about like genitals but also just like the fact that i feel like she d- she does this thing in her work where like penises and phalluses are seen as almost like comical a lot in mm-hmm. in media and in culture and in art but in the way that she portrays like a in a kind of a caricature of a vagina or like this like it's not anatomically, yeah, not correct, anatomically yeah, accurate yeah. in any way no. whatsoever it's more it looks like some of the sculptures in the main gallery looks like like dumplings or like fortune cookies or whatever or
1: little coin purses yeah
0: like they, they the ceramic items and she she would also do it'd be like repetitive but every single one of the little ceramic like sculptures would are, be look different from each other but they're all painted the same color and then they're lined up in like ro- neat rows and stuff mm-hmm. and like which also plays on the fact that, like, not all vaginas are the same. Not right. all women are the same, yeah. despite
1: being under the same oppressive umbrella yeah. of patriarchy. Mm-hmm. So, that I thought was clever there was another thing that i was going to say
0: yeah before. but see like it for wilk this so we can see wilk's technique of working in clay developing oh i
1: remember what moving I from
0: vessel like forms displayed in the previous gallery to build up layers and eventually to pare down folds with these changes her signature vaginal motif took on a new depth of meaning for wilk this form was meant to represent not only female marked anatomy and embodied experiences but also ideas of creativity and shared human connection
1: also one thing that i was gonna say is that with the vaginas it's not it's also i guess like talk a part of her feminism mm-hmm. but also as a rebelling to like puritanical culture mm-hmm. that is just genital averse mm-hmm. anyway yeah but also because it's like puritanical plus patriarchal mm-hmm. penises are allowed to get away in some contexts mm-hmm. in a way that like vaginas with patriarchy and mm-hmm. just puritanical america mm-hmm. are not allowed yeah ever regardless of gender and yeah. regardless of of like expression uh-huh. that's why like talks about like healthcare and stuff like yeah. that when you can't even talk about vaginas mm-hmm. for anyone mm-hmm. create a form of gendered violence yeah
0: which i thought was interesting yeah exactly and also like it has i feel like the this the whole art exhibition in here like i've heard people be like oh i don't i don't like it because of the the sort of vaginal feminist art or whatever mm-hmm. but i think like Within the context of like culture at large and also society and feminism, it's like the there there's a reason why like vaginas associated with womanhood and also like so associated with women's oppression. Um, and like you know, I feel like a lot of radical feminists barf are mm-hmm. like uh, try to separate sex based oppression and like gender based oppres- oppression when really they they work together in many ways, obviously. But I think like And, and Wilk here kind of is able to comment on both in, in the way that like her, like later on in her work, we see her do these little sculptures with chewing gum and with Mm -hmm. uh, like eraser, like kneading erasers and like these materials that are not really, you know, they're like just everyday items, um. And they're not built to last. and right. Be in
1: museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or exactly. Anything. And there were also
0: pieces that no longer exist that were made of like latex and stuff that were that were similar, but obviously because they weren't built to last because they're they're with items that are disposable. They you know they don't exist. They brittle. Anymore. They
1: break. Yeah, exactly. Unable to be transported. Yeah,
0: and and like you know the the whole idea of the chewing gum vaginal sculptures and stuff like but there was I remember part of the description of it, it was like. It, it, w- it didn't just look like a vagina, like it also looks like a penis. Yeah, shot. in so many in many ways, so because it
1: was so small that yeah. it was basically just a fold that like the a single sl- fold, like the slits. I hate uh-huh. whatever. Right, could uh, the. Way that it was perceived because it's so small could look either way. It could go. It could either go way. either way. One of a yeah. penis head or of a vagina.
0: Yeah, and like, and it's like that's a thing with, and also within her earlier work, the title of like androgynous or whatever. The idea that like, at the end of the day, like this this distinction is not that distinct. Like like these things are arbitrary, but the oppression that exists within these arbitrary categories they those are real. But like like the way that it is perceived or the way people react to it is like that's what's interesting about it and that's what deserves criticism and like i think like i think that
1: perceptions are important because it it affects how like how people perceive you affects what violence you can be susceptible Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. so it doesn't really matter if you have a vagina Mm -hmm. or a penis Mm -hmm. if you're perceived as a woman Mm -hmm. in public and Mm -hmm. then you face violence because people think that they are allowed to do violence onto women
0: mm-hmm. it doesn't matter yeah
1: which one it yeah. is yeah
0: and like through we also see she does some like photography work I there's this one piece that was like her standing on on top of a what was it it was like a water pressure stabilizer thing mm-hmm. um and the there was words on it that she printed on top that she screen printed on top that said atrophy i'm pretty
1: sure yeah yeah but it was a double entendre of a trophy and yeah uh-huh. and they, she's naked like kind of standing on top, on top of, of it in a pair of heels yes which
0: is very important right exactly so like and and there's other work that she does where she did like self-portraiture of kind of mimicking these really famous poses and sculpt like, like like vogue uh-huh. fashion magazine yeah very iconic with I- iconography pieces of her gum, gum her vaginas, gum, vagina. all placed yes. on like
1: her upper chest, and she's topless in this. Uh huh. And it like is, she really talks more about like the objectification of women's bodies mm-hmm. in a way similar of like how we um, how we talk about how people how other people talk about Taylor Swift and that they mm-hmm. see her as like public property mm-hmm. and something that they can pick apart. Mm-hmm. Which has like, she has admitted has led to like various eating disorders mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And Hannah Wilk talks about this in a much general way of yeah. the objectification of bodies in mm-hmm. media and how yeah. we see them. And then
0: later in her work, we see her deal with her mother's cancer. And like for a while, a lot of her photography and a lot of her work is about, is just photographs of her mother and then like, and like mixed media collages and stuff about her mom and her mom dying and eventually like soon after her mom dies within like a decade she also gets diagnosed with cancer and so the same cancer the same type of cancer and so we see the contrast of like her young self and the her the beauty double yes her, her beauty in the way that as a, as a young woman um and as someone like with a vagina like that all shaped the way that she created her art and um the kind of intentional playfulness of it versus toward the end of her life when she is older and she is struggling with illness and the ways that like she her, the way that she presents herself and sees herself and the ways that others see her sees her see her changes the way she makes art like the her vaginal like s- sculptures and um, the the rows and rows of the many towards the very end of the exhibition, towards the very end of her life are much more chaotic in terms of like, there's so much, there's like paint splattered all over it. There is a mix of colors. It's like dark as opposed to the pastel hues on the top floor earlier in the exhibition, earlier in her life and her work, which are all, you know, very meticulously one color, one shade, one tone throughout the course of it. Whereas towards the end of her life, we see that sort of the, like, we see her how, how these like motifs that she's used, for all of her work, like, continue on throughout her own experience and process of aging. You also see her grieve her mother. Yeah.
1: And, like, you just can, like, feel it. It's kind of hard to describe. I Mm -hmm. feel bad. But, like, you definitely, um, there's these three sets that she made, like, right after her mother's death Mm -hmm. of, um, the same, like, folded vaginas. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, two that are kind of, there's, like, a... I don't know, maybe it's, like, three by something. Three Three by five, something like that. And they're all kind of, like, painted in various ways. And then the third one, it's, like, messy and looks more, like, paint splattered Mm -hmm. and it's on the canvas and the... And the sculptures themselves. Versus just the sculptures Uh and stuff like that. And that kind of, like, more chaotic form. Mm -hmm. Like, you really get to see what are, like, the same motifs and the same techniques, but, like... Throughout her life. How she changes and the various emotions that she pours into it. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think was very interesting about her photography in particular uh-huh. is that the way, like, she always has autonomy over her body mm-hmm. and the way that she poses herself and her relationship to the camera, I feel didn't necessarily change that much for her as an individual, but because of the way society perceives young women versus, versus older, older women. women and people that we see as healthy versus uh-huh. sick, it's like why do you as an audience see these mm-hmm. pictures as drastically different mm-hmm. when ultimately they're very the similar, person, like, they're the same, the same person? Yeah. Very similar poses, like, it's presented, but yet you see one as sexy, when it, why isn't this sexy, why is this actually seen as sexy in a, uh, de, like, in a dehumanizing way, yeah. and why is this one... And seen why like, is
0: this provocative versus one sad? Yes. Why is one like, and, but it's, like, also... She has, like,
1: like, especially the ones where she's in, kind of, like, the hospital bed, or, mm-hmm. like, she's obviously very sick, and, like, uh-huh. white sheets. When there's so many white sheet boudoir photo yeah, shoots, yeah, yeah. why is this one different from the others? Yeah. What does that mean? What is actually being commentated? Like, is she still, like, how do we see her autonomy? How do we see the movement of her body in these photos versus ones when she was younger or just in mm-hmm. society in general? Mm-hmm. And I just thought that she was really cool. Like, by the end of it, exhibit i was like obsessed with her mind like mm-hmm. i wanted to travel back in time and ask her all kinds of questions mm-hmm. and she also i think just as an artist had a very distinct personality mm-hmm. and there's definitely like a tone yeah. in her art yeah that i think is one of the reasons why she has this exhibit after she's passed and uh-huh. why her art is still fun to look at uh-huh. is because she has this like personality that i think is embedded that yeah. is kind of like her artist signature instead of like physically signing things and mm-hmm. just like oh clay vaginas are my mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. she really does have a voice that carries throughout the exhibit yeah,
0: yeah for sure
1: Which i thought was just impressive you know yeah. as an artist she doesn't have control over how we see it uh-huh. because
0: she's passed but there's so, still the continuity of her work yeah and, like, her, her presence legacy. is still yeah. so strong
1: yeah and for like seeing her work for the first time i had never heard of this artist before yeah, exactly so you really like see her yeah. see her work fall in love with her over the yeah. course of it she also has these two really cool pieces
0: that are with postcards mm-hmm. that we had a very fun conversation about yeah um, and she also has towards the end of the exhibition uh, in the later in the museum we also have there's also photos of her um like photos that she took of her of her gum vaginal sculptures out in nature and stuff. Yeah. And then also her sketches of, like, flowers and nature and stuff, which I thought were... And then also her bigger sculptural pieces that were, like, that look like kind of flowers but also vaginas, but also they were huge and, like, on the wall and, like, latex Like, it was so cool, like, the range of mediums that she worked with and then... She has the range. She has, she the, has range. the range. Oh, man. Oh, man, Like, mm-hmm. the way she incorporated... Um, you know like mixed media and and photo- photography and film and like self-portraiture and then sculpture and ceramics and all like all painting like all this stuff it was really cool and and you also see your very visceral relationship with
1: death and mm-hmm. dying mm-hmm. because there's also a 35 minute video mm-hmm. or film that she made where she is like moving around her face as if she can like sculpt her face as if mm-hmm. it's a piece of clay that she made uh very soon after her brother-in-law died abruptly mm-hmm. kind of like a sudden death and
0: so you really see like this like the way she deals with grief is through like mm-hmm. art and we can see that in the aftermath but of her like, mother's with death, death and then, in particular because yeah. she also got
1: divorced and mm-hmm in some time in this career mm-hmm. and really her heart her art seemed unchanged like mm-hmm. there's the passage yeah, of time yeah, but yeah. like that it, and then we, you really see uh that only like influx of high emotion art mm-hmm. when her mother gets sick and mm-hmm. she starts working like with her mother and the fact mm-hmm. that, like her mom becomes her muse again mm-hmm. and so and then like less than 10 years after that her own illness which then leads to her death so yeah. you definitely see like I think that that was a part of her career yeah. that like melted with her real yeah. life and her personality. Yeah. That was
0: a fun yeah. insight to who she is as a person. Yeah, and in her videos and stuff, she's talking about like you know, and also in her artistry, and she's like you know, as a woman, as a Jew, as mm-hmm. like as as these a Jewish of, like, woman born during World War II in the United yeah. States. What does that mean for me? Yeah, and as like and for her, like I mean, obviously the language of this time when she says. As a woman she also means as someone with a vagina and that also informs the way that like her she talks about she creates and talks about her art you know what i mean but it's also like it was like the 60s and 70s and she was like she like the language wasn't there to yeah to to like differentiate between womanhood and sex and like like these the nuances that we can we can later on kind of project and understand within her art like it's just not, it's not there because she's just talking about her own experiences and making work, at, like, that is a result of it. And that is her coping But she's coping clearly not it.
1: conservative. Right. It, she's, it's more of just a language difference over time rather yeah. than
0: her intentional exclusionary, exclusionary or yeah. having politics that are, that are fundamentally, like, anti, anti, like, penis or anti, yeah. like, or pro, like, pro-vagina. Vaginas are so much cooler than everything else. Like, that's very much not, I don't think that is her art at all and that's not the no. vibe of her art. It's just more of like, vaginas are provocative and funny in a way that, like, and I'm the, trying to make... And she
1: shows them in so many different yeah. views. In like, a more serious commentary light. Uh-huh. But also in like, In the a comedic ones, way. Yeah, like yeah. the, the, parodies that's not the right word but the Mm -hmm. remakes of like the iconic Mm -hmm. photos and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and also just the
0: gum itself yeah there's something playful about that right and it's also not explicitly vaginal like iconography like it it is in itself also a representation of just sex and like sex organs in general like anything you know and the way that society at large shies away from it and also the way that the difference between the way like penises and vaginas are portrayed and viewed within culture like she's talking about that because that is that is very that sex-based sort of oppression that sex-based sort of like cultural uh, markers and and attitudes towards these things that are just you know everyone has them like people you know people just have sex you know or like have sex organs like these things have there's very different attitudes to them and she's playing with those attitudes by like kind of elevating this visual presentation of vaginas on a level that like fundamentally exclusionary it's just fundamentally like it's an objection to the the shying away from it and wanting to look away from like vaginas and also and also only wanting to look at women for um their beauty as opposed to who they are as people like mm-hmm. she's talking about all of these things in a way that like i think is fairly nuanced and um fairly complex and interesting for the
1: time and also basing it off of is. her individual experience i think it is good i also just want to say like she's not georgia keith yeah. 2.0 or yeah. something like that in like in the way that she is making vaginas, mm-hmm. and, and you Georgia O'Keeffe was
0: not yeah, like she was not being intentional about
1: things that happen to look yeah. like vaginas, and we as the yeah. audience see vaginas in things,
0: yeah. whereas Hannah Wilk is, is intentionally making like vaginas or sex organs yeah. or like what I mean in their abstract again yeah. these are not
1: they're... anatomically correct not at all at all yeah but in the way that like the way. Cartoon penises are drawn like the little, yeah. blonde, like that's not anatomically yeah. correct either. But yeah. we all know what a phallic mm-hmm. thing looks like, mm-hmm. so very much those kind of vaginas. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I really liked her, I thought that she was pretty groovy. Mm-hmm. If you follow me on Twitter and you know my tweet about uh, think, shout out to the museum attendant who knew who Allison Bree was because Sunny and Rye, <laughs> who was there with us, did not. Hannah woke looks like Allison Bree. I said it, the museum attendant agreed with me. So if you listening to this. Rewind. Listen to it again. Mm-hmm. Picture Allison Bree as you were listening, and
0: um, <laughs> thank you for an insight. Oh my god! So yeah, that's yeah. our that's our media commentary for today, Woo. and um, we have to go. But we'll be back with our media recommendations to each other. Bye. Bye. This was so much more convenient when we were yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally yeah so we were unable to record our recommendations for each other um together in real life for episode nine so we're doing that now if you're watching on patreon or if for listeners mm-hmm. like that's that's the break between previous the previous like two sections of the podcast audio to this audio because yes.
1: we, we did two hot takes the episode before yeah but um, we
0: shit talked so, hassan yeah. oh and speaking of shit talking hassan i keep on getting comments on my tiktok of like because i posted a tiktok and also on twitter like a clip a very br- like an a, an incredibly abridged clip of that podcast like you know like yeah two minutes i posted that on twitter as well as on tiktok and fucking the hassan defenders are in my tiktok comments they will not leave me alone every time i go on that oh app i God. get a new comment from someone being like y'all are so dumb eh. <laughs> i
1: can't how are we the dumb ones he's the one that has a three million dollar home in los angeles
0: no it's it's like it's gonna
1: end up in the ocean in 10 years anyway so
0: please dear god it's like are you not embarrassed like simping for this grown man who does not know who you are and does not care about you and doesn't make any sort of meaningful difference in the world okay
1: well we also <laughs> simp for taylor swift so i'm not but sure but taylor that, swift matters
0: it? and she she makes things taylor that matter. matter she makes art hassan she does no
1: does not make what art. does that
0: motherfucker do <laughs> <Not> <laughs> he's saying. jobless oh you're a twitch streamer <laughs> that sounds like unemployed to me bro like <laughs> get, get a real man's job get literally a get a real man's, man's job man's, job exactly okay anyways recommendations for each other do you have something i have something i can go first you go first yep you go first (laughs) oh my god okay so i recently watched the sequel to the suicide squad so like i think it's just called the suicide squad and I think it was pretty good, honestly. And it also features, like, Harley Quinn, which, you know, I'm a Harley Quinn stan. We love Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, Supremacy. Birds of Prey is, like, is it's a girls' action movie. But it's an action movie for the girls. Like, yeah. it's, like, action movies, but if they were cool, you know? And that's all Birds of Prey is, and I feel like we can get elements of that in The Suicide Squad, because obviously there's, like, the fight scenes with Harley in them, and just seeing her interact with this group of people is so interesting to me, and, like, there's some other characters within The Suicide Squad. This, this movie that, like, I found really endearing. I also, like, the plot of this movie was, like, surprisingly anti-imperialist. Like, surprisingly... <laughs> anti-america it's, it, was, it was very explicit too like it was very explicitly anti-american intelligence interfering in other nations uh country like other other nations foreign you know foreign affairs and shit mm-hmm. and it clearly like Which
1: i've been fighting for my life trying to explain <laughs> that concept to my co-workers <laughs> if none of you follow my personal twitter account um, you won't see just me live tweeting my smart, sexy communist struggles throughout the day talking <laughs> to my co-workers and yeah. bosses about yeah. why they should be communists.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a um, struggle and for you. that's one the
1: things. It really is. I'm fighting for my life out here at these liberal
0: colleges. It's mm-hmm. really hard for me. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, anyway, it's continue, not great.
0: But yeah, no, class. it was honestly pretty explicit with its anti-imperialism with its sort of like i don't know like and also a look at what u.s patriotism like it embodies and is and also the u.s like prison system and like what what prison looks like and how coercive it is like the whole concept of the suicide squad is that the u.s government takes these convicts and sends them on missions that will basically guarantee them to get killed and if they aren't killed on these very dangerous missions um and they desert they will be blown up like they have a bomb inserted into their bodies before they go on these missions that and like they're forcibly chosen to go on these missions these task forces uh to like invade other countries <laughs> so it's it was it's pretty like the whole concept in itself is very i feel like it's very much uh a, a look at how like brutal the system is and how it, it does not it's not conducive to like life or maintaining it um and i think the other like the only other like woman main character is rat catcher and like her power is literally just being able to summon rats and like have them be able to swarm any <laughs> given thing
1: yuppie yuppie yep like a rat
0: <laughs> what
1: Have you not gotten that TikTok audio? I have not gotten that audio. No. Oh, I've gotten it so many times. It's probably I have been getting the most niche TikTok audio, like five. And then I click on the audio, I'm like, "Wow, this is a really popular trend." And it's like 15 videos have been made with this audio, and I'm
0: like, "Fuck (laughs) you, TikTok." But they know you're a niche, you're a niche bitch, you with niche interests and niche humor.
1: another off topic but another one of the niche popular tiktok songs that or audios that keep coming up are the ones that are like you're asking about my theories I've been waiting years oh yeah for to ask me I've about seen that
0: theories. one a lot yeah
1: I get it so often and I finally clicked on it today there's only like 5,000 videos with that tiktok <laughs> audio which sounds like a lot but for like tiktok yeah trends, for tiktok like, like, millions yeah. of videos can be Hundreds made a of a audience yeah yeah. So like to only have five thousand, and I've gotten like at least ten of them. Yeah, that's saying a lot. That's not
0: good. <laughs> no, no, I think it's because it knows that we like have a con- we have conspiracy theory minded brains. We have theory minded brains. That's why we we talk about reading theory. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about these are yeah. You you've been at, I've I've waited years to <laughs> to discuss Literally. my theories. No, it's so true. So, yeah, anyway, that's just my recommendation, The Suicide Squad. I thought it was I mean, there's a lot of like male violence. Like it's a lot of seeing dudes fight, which I don't really care about. But there are good snippets of Harley fighting and of Ratcatcher, and I think the underlying message and also Ratcatcher as a as a superhero is so endearing because one of the Oh my god, okay. Like in the snap, in like the flashbacks of Ratcatcher's life throughout the movie, we see her being like raised on the streets of like, I don't know, some, some city. And her dad is like the one who teaches her how to like summon the rats. And her dad in the movie is played by Taika Waititi. And it literally gave me whiplash seeing him on the screen. I was like, not Hitler. Like, (laughs)
1: it's not that. I was thinking that's Cross Universe because he directed and was in Thor Ragnarok. Oh my god. And that's Marvel. And so now he's in a DC movie. But <laughs> he's, he's him.
0: Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. So Right, it's true. And okay, well so we talked about this previously, but like Marvel obviously has like a really explicit and direct history of collaborating with the Pentagon and collaborating with like the White mm-hmm. House and the US military to create it's movies and stuff, and which is why it's fundamentally politics. a lot, very, you know, the, the politics are fundamentally very imperialist. Um, and I think the contrast with DC is that obviously these are both like huge mega corporations and they're churning out, you know, characters and, and movies and TV shows and comics for the purpose of profit. Cause that's what everything is. But like, I think with DC, um, I've noticed that in the Harley Quinn-like TV show um, and also Mm -hmm. within, obviously, Birds of Prey and then now The Suicide Squad, the politics um, of the movies and of the media itself tend to be better. Like, the writers who are creating the stories and stuff, like, tend to have, like, actual criticisms. Like, there's a lot of jokes in the Harley Quinn TV show, which I guess that's not a recommendation, but that's just something I'm talking about because, obviously, I love Harley Quinn and, like, that's a huge part of... The current day lore, because I think the first season came out in, like, 2018 or something like that, and Harley Quinn yeah. and Poison Ivy are, like, canon together in this, um, in, in this show, uh, created by DC, obviously, so, um, and, but like, throughout, throughout the show, throughout the cartoon show, there's a lot of, like, jokes and stuff about, like, the US, like, healthcare system and, like, the prison industrial complex and, like, how all these things are very fucked up and silly. And also one of the main characters um, in the squad present in... Well, okay, something interesting is that in the Suicide Squad, one of the main characters is Nanawe which is King Shark. So, you know, like, the the shark god creature. Um, And in the Suicide Squad, he's portrayed as this, like, you know, barely intelligent creature you know like genuinely half like mostly fish n- not man mm. so his his character arc throughout the movie is kind of him becoming humanized in the eyes of his companions and also within himself um, and it was honestly very endearing um, but in the show in the cartoon King Shark is just a fucking dude like he's just a dude and like he acts like normal so it was really weird seeing that contrast but also in the TV, in the TV show like Like I said, there's so many jokes that are very, oh oh, yeah, what I was gonna say was that in the TV show, Harley Quinn's crew, one of the members for crew, is this guy who used to work for like the CIA back in like the 80s and whatever under like Kissinger. And he talks about all the war crimes that he committed (laughs) and like how the experimental technology has has been integrated into his body so basically he's like this old jewish man who's the landlord of poi- poison ivy's apartment and he Wait, <laughs> gets what, incorporated are you
1: talking about the movie still or no no no, no. The show?
0: in the show in the show in the in the okay. movie he doesn't exist but in the show he, he he's the i think his name is like sid or something but he is like a wheelchair user and he has like machine elements to his body but it's because he worked for the military like way back in the day and used to be like a spy and shit and he would like mm. and there are like offhand comments throughout the show that very clearly show the you know the the writer's understanding and criticism of how <laughs> u.s imperialism work which which in a lot of superhero type narratives like it's just not there because the superhero narratives are used to further like imperialism and justifying it. And we can see the direct clash of those notions in the literal fight scenes in The Suicide Squad, the movie, um, which I think is like really smart on even though, you know, it's like a dumb action movie. The enemy in this movie, it's this alien starfish thingy. Um, and as a so like i guess the collaboration with the pentagon and with like the us military would have to be was w- would be more minimal in the creation of this movie it like it wouldn't it wouldn't be necessary because a lot of the, like the major conflict is can be is like cgi like it's it like it's a creature like this huge like extraterrestrial creature that is basically animation in birds of prey you know at the very beginning of the movie there's that animation element that kind of summarizes harley quinn's like upbringing throughout the suicide squad there are little like in harley quinn's scenes specifically there are little bits of animation that are integrated into it which i thought was really smart because it like again shows how harley quinn's perspective makes the world look like a more fun place than it actually is and makes killing for her more fun like (laughs) on a visual level but yeah anyway what was your recommendation
1: Okay, mine is completely off-topic. NTBH I re- think I had a recommendation when we were originally recording mm-hmm. this episode, and I completely forgot it, don't know what it was, can't find <laughs> any evidence that I had it. So, this is a new one. But my recommendation is an album. It's the Atlanta Millionaires Club by Faye Webster. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I... Had listened to a couple. I think Jess Kingston actually came up on my Discover Weekly like months ago, which is by Faye Webster, and I really liked it, but I didn't look any further. And then when we were hanging out with uh, a friend of Sunny's, can I name? We've named your friends on the podcast before.
0: Yeah, when we were hanging out with Valentine, okay. they were playing Fa- yeah. Faye Webster in the car. Exactly. So, so yeah. when we were
1: hanging with Valentine and like each song I was like I really like this song I really like the song and it was all by Faye Webster so then I ended up uh looking her up on Spotify mm-hmm. and listening to this album and I was going through just like her songs in random order but then I mm-hmm. actually listened to this album and now I cannot stop listening to it it came out <laughs> in 2019 mm-hmm. and I think she just released a an- yeah. new album as well yeah. called I Know I'm Funny Ha Ha, which I think yes. is also a really clever title. Uh-huh. I haven't actually sat down and listened to that album, so I can't recommend it just yet, mm-hmm. but however, Atlanta Millionaires Club I think is just a really good album. It's like if you wanted to listen to Lord, but you didn't want to accidentally run into Liability so you needed to listen to something yeah. a little bit lighter, mm-hmm. then um... I would recommend listening to Faye Webster. She definitely falls into that category of music. Like, indie girl music artist, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just, and, like, super chill. I really like yeah. taking showers
1: listening to it.
0: So. It's very ethereal. Like, I've I heard some songs off of that album, and also in I Know I'm Funny haha. Ha, and, like, her music has mm. this very, like, light edge to it. But also, like, with yeah. her latest album, her latest release, our mutual, like, our oomph, Megan... Um, mm-hmm. she interviewed Faye Webster about her album and like has a ma- has like Whoa. that interview in I think Office Magazine or something, which I think is so interesting because I think Megan wow. also recently and she is Megan's handle I think is, um Lady B Turd, <laughs> and yeah yeah and I think she also recently interviewed another like smaller on the, on the come up indie artist girl puppy. Whom I still need to listen to because she I remember like I think I saw like a TikTok of her promoting her own stuff on my 4 You mm-hmm. page that was like Do you like Taylor Swift and like Lord and like Faye Webster and like all late like listing off these people she was like Well you should listen to my music and I was like Okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah
1: okay bestie let's to
0: that. <laughs> so yeah um I I would second the recommendation I haven't listened to like Faye Webster's body of work in its entirety because, Same. um, like, I mean, either of her albums I haven't, like, I've tried to sit down and listen to the entirety of it, but I don't, like, I feel like it's kind of her, the t- type of music that she makes is right in the middle of very chill, like ethereal, dreamy music, m- dreamy, like quiet, kind of sad music and like actual pop. Like, I I think it's kind of right in the mm-hmm. middle there. And I oftentimes will prefer that it le- prefer music that leans either way more heavily like one way or the other, which oh, is why okay. like yeah. which is why I like which is why I like solar power a lot because I feel like it leans more into the ethereal part instead of the pop, but I also like melodrama because it leans more into the pop and like you know, and I, I like obviously. I'm like in all my the... melodrama
1: streaming phase. Yeah, I've been listening to that intermittently, but like, I'm not gonna recommend melodrama. Like,
0: hey, have you guys seen this album yet? It's really good. Actually, um, me and Valentine, when yesterday before I, I was literally on a plane t- today, but yesterday before I left St. Louis, we were in the car together, and Valentine was like, I don't know, he just picked up or they just picked up the phone, and they just started streaming like pure heroin. And we were listening to Pure Heron on the so car good. ride home, and I was like, "This album rocks." Uh, this like, it this does, shit is, yeah. And yeah. also,
1: now that I'm back in my melodrama streaming phase, uh-huh. I stand by my solar power <laughs> my solar power <laughs> opinions because I'm just like, am I just hyping up melodrama out of like nostalgia or because I want to like uh-huh. be a hater or is it actually like as good as I'm saying that it is? Mm-hmm. And there is just, she laced something in melodrama that just makes it so outstanding. Um, But anyways, this isn't about melodrama. This is about Faye Webster and recommending Atlanta Millionaire's Millionaire's Club. Club. Yeah. So So that's our recommendation. Also, just a heads up, um, your girl in reference to me, Renaissance, has been really busy <laughs> recently. Mm-hmm. More busy than I originally accounted for. Um, so we will be getting a season finale to you guys sometime. Yeah. And then we might be taking a little break when uh, Sunny and I's schools uh, start and start to stabilize that schedule. And then we will be back to our regular recording. So...
0: Yeah. Just so We're thinking maybe... We're thinking that maybe we will release new episodes, like, every other weekend, as opposed to every weekend, like we've been doing for the past few months. Um, Yeah. Because that way, once we release this episode 9 this week, next week won't be the finale. The week after that will be the finale. So, hopefully at that point, like, that should work. But if not, I mean, this is a good time to plug our, like, Twitter and stuff, because for like live yeah. updates we'll and still also, be
1: on the internet <laughs> oh yeah there's, that's just
0: like impossible for like where that's yeah. not yeah so yeah you should follow us on twitter at the lavender pod um and our personal twitter handles are like linked in that bio as well i think mm-hmm. uh, honestly i feel like some of our listeners have been like finding us more recently because i've noticed I, my like, twitter followers
1: i get like at least Five to eight new Twitter followers every single day. I love it though, and I'm just assuming that they're listeners, because mm-hmm. like based on their bios and mm-hmm. their layouts, I'm not saying that I think our listeners have a distinct look, <laughs> or like internet footprint. <laughs> but some of y'all bitches, it's like that TikTok audio that's like, I can't find my friend. She looks like every every other in bitch.
0: Here. <laughs> Literally every other bitch. Like, no, it's so it's true though. It's Look true. the same. <laughs> so I'm no, just sometimes-
1: like if I see like communist swifty lesbian, <laughs> I'm just like,
0: okay, I probably know how you found me. Right, like we real blend in. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, you can find me, Sunny, on Twitter at a sunny booknook, YouTube at a sunny booknook, Instagram at Sunny with a camera.
1: Oh yeah, mine is Twitter at Renaissance, the first E is an X, Instagram, Renaissance Marie. YouTube Renaissance Marie, but I should really stop plugging that because I haven't made anything. I tried to make a video and then Mm. my camera wasn't recording. So
0: yeah, you told me about that, and you just recorded the audio too. So that was you doing a podcast to yourself. (laughs) Exactly. It
1: was. It was rough. It was rough out here. But you should check out my Instagram and see all the pictures that Sunny took of me while I was in St. Louis and give yes. those posts a like because people <laughs> have been eating that shit up. Y'all love those photos. Like <laughs> now that I'm getting followers in real life, the minute that they open my Instagram, they're just like, "Oh my gosh, your Instagram was so good!" And I'm just exactly. like, oh, "Thank you." And I'm like, exactly. you it's the Sunny so effect." Below it and
0: it's it's so the Sunny effect. It. It's it's yeah, the, truth, the Sunny so. print. The sunny friend. No, literally. Okay, so yeah, that's all that we have for you today. Um, Thanks so much for listening.
1: Bye. See you. Bye.